Hello and welcome to the first episode of Starside Chat in 2022. We uh, were delayed a little bit, but uh, we're excited to be back. Joining me, as always, is Aaron Capo. Hello. And I'm Zach Owens, the other host. And today we're doing our top 10 games of 2021. And it's uh, pretty exciting. I'm, uh, I am always look forward to doing these lists at the end of the year. Uh, but we do have some news first. Uh, some sad news. It sounds like E3 is dead. Yeah, the ESA, the people who run E3, uh, are bad. They're, it seems like they're not a good organization. <laughs> so um, they came out earlier, like a week or two weeks ago, and they were like, you know, because of COVID, we're going to probably cancel E3 again. But then there was some reporting that they had actually decided to do this a long time ago, and they were just kind of using COVID as an excuse uh, so it's kind of all really up in the air. I mean, we really only have Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest, but um, unfortunately yeah, that's kind of more spread out across the entire summer. It is, and I feel like last year there were some like random presentations that were done from like just different companies doing it on their own that were not necessarily tied to E3, so we might see stuff like that again. So there probably will be some sort of... like e3-like thing that happens either in be june great. or like i mean i'm sure it'll all be digital but um, yeah yeah sort of an end of an era no more e3 it's a bummer so maybe it will be reborn in some way maybe jeff Keeley will buy the rights to e3 and just transform summer games fest in back into e3 under like his purview yeah. wouldn't that be great but for now yeah it seems like it's uh it's a no-go yeah. Uh, also, some recent news. Sounds like they're working on a new Mario Kart, Mario Kart 9, and they say there's going to be a new twist. Yeah, what do you think this is? I mean, previously, like the one of the ways they tried to mix up the formula was that Double Dash, which I never played because yeah. I, I believe that was on Wii U, and I no, never had it was, that. it was on GameCube originally. Oh, was it? Double yes, Dash. Yes, um, and I, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, to play with my siblings growing up and I yeah the speculation is maybe they're gonna have like some sort of double dash mode or like it'll just be but that wouldn't necessarily be a new twist would it it would be like an old twist but what if it's a combination this is what I've been reading online is people are speculating that they're gonna smashify it Oh where, yeah, like, yeah. I heard different about, properties uh, are going to all of a sudden be inside. You're going to have like you're going to be unlocking uh like Snake from uh, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid and stuff. Yeah, like Master Chief is in there with a uh, driving a warthog and I would love I mean Smash Brothers Ultimate was such a success and had such a long tail because they had all these DLC packs of new people. If I feel like they would be geniuses if they realized like, "Oh, we can do the same thing with Mario Kart." Although, yeah. would I don't they know still call it Mario Kart? <laughs> That's a good question, and I also I don't know how different each like cart could be because the cool thing about Smash Brothers was like each character played so differently, especially like like the Minecraft guy yeah. or whatever. But you can't really I don't know how much variety unless they're super changing up the formula and there are like crazy new mechanics. I don't know what extra characters would add besides just like you know cosmetically. Oh my guy is. Uh, 
uh, the two ice climbers or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. I I mean, Mario Kart 8 has sold so well on the Switch oh, yeah. that they've it seems like they've put off working on a new Mario Kart for a long time. So Yeah, they basically didn't need to cuz 8 was on Wii U, right? It was just a yeah. port. Yeah. So yeah, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Kart. is just I think that came out in like 2014. So it's been a yeah. long, long time since they made an actually new Mario Kart. So yeah, I don't know what to expect with it, but you know it's going to sell well. So oh yeah, it makes a lot I'm of sense excited. for them I, to make one. We always say like, oh, I wonder what will what uh, if it will have a showing at E3. But we just said that E3 is not happening. But I wonder if when Nintendo does their whatever their Nintendo Direct for the summer is, I wonder if we'll see a little bit of it. Yeah, there's no real way of knowing how far out this game might be or like how much work they've put in on it, but yeah, I would definitely like to see like something about it at some sort of E3 or not E3, but uh Nintendo Direct at some point mm. this year, but uh, This is the year of the Breath of the Wild 2 Direct. I'm going to I'm going to call it right calling now. Calling it? Well, so does that guarantee that it'll come out this year? I think it is going to come out at, in either like September or November, December of this year. I mean, I hope you're right. I don't know. Uh, I have concerns, but I am definitely hoping that it comes out this year. Uh, so next up, I thought this was interesting. Uh, we both like Stadia. It's true. And so... Uh, this was, it's a little bit old. This, uh, there was a nine to five Google article that talked about the Stadia Makers program and how that's still ongoing with multiple games in development. And a lot of people online were sort of doom and gloom about Stadia after Google announced the closure of its like in house game development studio. Uh, but what they forgot was that. Google still has the Stadium Makers program, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, I think EA has something similar where they like fund indie games. I don't remember what theirs is called, but, but yeah, basically Google funds uh, like indie games, like development of indie games through the Stadium Makers program. And so like recent games that sort of came out are games like Grime and The Dark Side Detective and 100 Days Foreclosed, Merrick's Market, uh, other, they have other ones in them. What was uh, that water one that you played? Wavetail. I don't know if that was technically a Stadium Makers program. I know that was just a, a timed exclusive. Oh, okay. um, and that was the same for, what was that? Young Souls? I forget who developed that, but that game also came out as a timed exclusive for Mm. stadia last year. Um, but yeah, the, there was an interesting quote that nine to five Google pulled from the developer of grime and the dark side detective. Uh, grime was great by the way, if if you're looking for a game, that's like a, a good, uh, sort of Metroidvania to jump into after you played Metroid dread, definitely check out grime. It's very, Mm. very good. Um, but anyway, the, the quote from this developer was, uh, uh, let's see, after being accepted into the Makers program, we worked to launch two of our titles into Stadia Pro, Grime and the Dark Side Detective. Despite being polar opposites in terms of content and genre, both performed well 
uh, both in terms of finances and player reception. Stadia Pro seems to benefit a wide variety of titles regardless of style and replayability. And I remember there was a time last year where there was some news about how Google was sort of changing how they... Um, I guess I don't know the wording for it, but they, how they sort of funded and um, rewarded developers through Stadia Pro, where it was more based on like playtime. Uh, so like I thought that that would mean that it would benefit developers who make games that are like have are really long. So like an Assassin's Creed type of a game. Or like something that has a lot of replay value, like a Destiny 2 or something like that, where you're just sort of constantly coming back to put more and more time into. And that it would sort of mean that there would be less incentive for like smaller indie games that are like five to eight hours or something like that to come to Stadia Pro. And so I was worried that we would see fewer of those games come to Stadia Pro, but they're saying, no, that's not the case, that the that uh, coming to Stadia Pro is actually both financially um, viable for them, but also they're getting a lot of like um, good reception from players and reviewers. So I think that's an encouraging sign. Uh, uh, this is something, I think there was some speculation that maybe the Stadia Makers program was dead. I don't, but... I, maybe it's just because Google hadn't been talking about it, but mm. uh, here's this nine to five Google article coming along to say, no, it's not dead. It's actually still going. They still have more games in the works and <laughs> a developer anecdotally is saying, this is a good thing that helped us out a lot. So that's, that's great. That's pretty good. Uh, next up, moving on. There's a bunch of Nintendo stuff that came out recently. Yes. Did you get a chance to watch this uh, Kirby uh Kirby and the Forgotten Land gameplay trailer. Yeah, they put this out out of nowhere. They were just like, here's three minutes of Kirby footage, and it looks amazing. Like, it looks definitely... Super Mario Odyssey? Yeah, it seems like Super Mario Odyssey. I originally was like, oh, it's... Everybody was like, oh, this is kind of like Breath of the Wild uh, Kirby. But it does seem level-based. I think you probably have a central town, and then you, like, venture out from that town and go to a specific area. But, uh, yeah, it looks a lot like the way in Super Mario Odyssey where you would jump in that hat uh, exactly. thing that you would fly around and you would just go to a different area and then you would have you'd be able to play around there for a little while. Similarly, in this trailer, Kirby is seen riding on the star, which is, of course, very, uh, you know, true to Kirby games of the past. I and can't. he'll just go to a different area. And so there, it's instead of being like a, just a big open world sort of Breath of the Wild style, you do sort of have that overworld map that you're sort of going to different areas on. It looks great, though. And they also, at the end of the trailer, they put the release date and it's coming out super soon. It's uh, March 25th, 2022. Yeah. So not too close to uh, the new Pokemon game coming out in January, but also coming a little sooner than maybe we thought it might. So that's yeah, I thought cool. this wasn't going to be like summer or something. I didn't realize it was going to be in like less than two months. Yeah. So pretty cool. Looking forward to that. Um, also glad it's not coming out in February because everything's yeah. coming out in February. But speaking of Breath of the Wild we were talking about, there was also a, like a 13-minute gameplay overview of Pokemon Legends. A- How do you say it? Acreus? Arceus. 
Arceus. Yeah. Um, that does seem more Breath of the Wild-ish, where you're, like, collecting materials. It seems yeah. like you have to craft your own Pokeballs and... Uh, yeah, so they're going sort of back to the origins of Pokemon. So like you're sort of making the Pokedex and you're instead of like in Pokemon games of old, you would just go to a store and be and buy a bunch of like stuff. Uh, but obviously, if you're going back to the origins, like stores like that wouldn't have existed. So you're sort of crafting all of that stuff. So if you need like different items, you're going to craft it by getting items throughout the world, I guess. And it was unclear to me. It seemed almost like it was a little bit more Monster Hunter-like, where you sort of maybe have a little bit of like a hub area, and then you're um, sort of taking on missions and going out to different areas. That's what it seemed like to me as well. Like you have your town, but then you have the entire world map that you can see, and then you take your rideable Pokemon to specific locations to look for those noble Pokemon, which are like glowing and... uh you have to just like throw balm at them until they uh, let you capture them. Yeah, and it, it seemed kind of cool because you can just like sneak around and then like if you catch a Pokemon unaware, you can just throw a Pokeball at it and catch it. But if they notice you, uh, then that's not going to work because they'll like I guess they'll, their defenses would be up. And so you would have to actually do sort of old school like Pokemon battle type of thing to take their health down before you can catch them well and also there are quests which is something i didn't realize was going to be a thing like you just come upon people and they're like hey what did this one pokemon's ears look like can you like <laughs> go find me one and so you just like you can get you have like a quest log which i don't think is a thing usually from pokemon games where yeah. you can just like go into a town collect a bunch of things you need to do and then go out and do those things and you get rewards for them which i think is interesting it's a mix-up from the usual pokemon i mean this whole game is a a real about face as far as like pokemon narratives but uh yeah it's very interesting in the past like in previous games you could like go to somebody like you would talk to somebody in like a town and they would be like I would like to trade this for this type of Pokemon. And if you happen to have it, then you could just do it. Or if you went out and got one, you could remember that and then go back to that town and and trade it. But there were not like quests. There was not like a quest log or something like that. So I'm curious to see sort of how some of that works. But uh, I don't know. I I think it looks pretty good. Um, Are you going to get it? I think I will. This is coming out in like a week or two. Like it's not very yeah. far away. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think it looks far more interesting to me than like if they were just to bring out like a normal mainline Pokemon game at this point. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. I'm like there. Are, a lot of people are still sort of concerned about it and how well it's going to run on the Switch and all of that. Yeah. But, but I don't know. I, I think it looks like a good. They're, I think they're trying to find a middle ground uh, where it's like this is still going to appeal to people who love like the classic mainline Pokemon games, but it's also like sort of going into new territory and doing things different. And maybe mm-hmm. it's it's sort of like a baby step, but we'll, Exa- we'll see. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Like Sword and Shield was another kind of baby step with that wild area. Yeah. And this is another like baby step and then they're not really taking a lot of chances i feel like i think you're right they're still trying to appeal to mainline pokemon audiences but uh, they're slowly getting to something that everybody has always wanted which is like the open world breath of the wild style 
Pokemon game that you always see like you know those uh fan those like unreal engine fan games where you're just like running around with a Pikachu and in real time having like non uh what is it what's that kind of uh combat called turn based uh yeah, non-turn-based combat, which this is still turn-based. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how different it is. But, yeah, it, it could be one of those things where it's a little bit like... I, I heard... I was I forget which podcast I was listening to, but they likened it to something like um, Persona 5... Or per, not Persona 5, but like Persona, that series being sort of a, a branching out from Shin Megami Tensei. And... Mm like where they kind of live side by side and they're both successful and they're they're basically the same thing but they're also not the same thing Mm, you know what i mean like they one sort of uh is a spinoff from the other but they are both successful enough that they can live alongside each other so they're curious to see if if maybe that's how something like a pokemon legends um series might go i'm not sure but Hmm. uh another thing i wanted to quick mention was this weekend if you do have switch online you can play captain toad treasure tracker for free i forget how long let me check it's a great game i have that i uh, i purchased it when it was on sale and uh i love it it's it has a uh, it's surprisingly long uh i've been enjoying it yeah i was gonna say uh last year when they brought out um super mario 3d world in that game there are some like captain toad treasure tracker like levels that you can play and i think uh wasn't toad treasure tracker just a spinoff from that game it's just like a full thing yeah so i would play those and i'd be like yeah this is really fun i would play like a full game of this and so i i did kind of want to pick up the game but i had held off because there were so many other things to play but now you can play it for free um it's from the 13th to the 20th of this month so got a good amount of time to to play this game i think it's I great will. I, I highly recommend it yeah i think i will try to jump in and play some uh looking forward to that uh what's this uh starfield watch we got going on so the people that made uh the toy makers that made the the pip boy that came with fallout 4 um have released a Starfield watch uh, that is going to be probably in the collector's edition of Starfield when it comes out in November of this year, supposedly. Uh, And I guess we've seen, you know, we've seen this watch in the background a little bit. We saw the case that it comes in in the very first Starfield trailer. Uh, Not the very first one, I guess, because that was just like a picture of space. But... um, and I guess there was a behind the scenes. Uh, they're doing these like devlog things where they're talking about the making of Starfield. And in one of them, they there's like a very quick shot of the case for this watch, and then they open it and you see the watch for a second. But the like nitty gritty of this watch was released, um, so we know like what all the buttons do, what all the soft menus are, and things like that. It seems pretty cool. It has like the ability to get weather information, so you like can look up like the barometric pressure and stuff. But I don't know. For, I don't. I was not expecting to be super interested in a watch, but uh, <laughs> I was enthralled. I watched like a ten minute video about all the features about this watch. Um, we haven't even seen really gameplay footage of this game yet, but. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I um, 
I'm pretty excited for this game. How are you? What are your uh, levels of excitement for this game? Yeah, I'm also very excited about this game. It's definitely one of my most anticipated games of this year. <laughs> it's I'm still crossing my fingers that they're actually gonna. It's actually gonna come out on the date that they said it will come out, yeah. and that it won't get pushed back again. But yeah, I think I think it would be awesome if if this came as part of the collector's edition. Like I would maybe try to get it. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I've been in the market for a smartwatch. I was holding off because uh, rumor is they're going to release some sort of Pixel watch yeah. at Google I.O., um, which I'm interested in. But I also got to say I'm interested in this watch. Yeah, I was going to say I already have a smartwatch, so I don't necessarily need this. But this definitely seems like one of the more useful items that you could get from a collector's edition. Like... Bethesda always kind of goes all out and has this crazy big like collector's edition. Like one time they release like a um, what you call it, like a helmet from Fallout uh, Power Armor, and then oh yeah, they had like the Pit Boy that you talked about, and so they always do these big like collector's editions where they give you like some sort of cool item from within the world. Uh, which makes me wonder if this watch is going to play some sort of role in the game or something similar to it. It seems like it. Uh, the video I watched said there was like, uh, what I, I don't know where he pulled this from, but he was like, yeah, this screenshot shows that there's a very similar watch in the game and it doesn't have like your steps or whatever. It actually has like, you know, O2 level and other things like that. Mm. So it's possible that like it'll be a similar thing to uh, Fallout where your like menus are in game you looking at a watch or something but uh i don't know i am pretty excited i have to say i also the guy that i was watching the video on said he like oh this will all be revealed in the june reveal trailer i don't know where he's getting that information from but uh it would be great if in june there was just a ton of content drops about this we finally get like gameplay and they do the whole walkthrough yeah i would love it if they would do like the old bethesda style like deep dive preview of the game before it launches and uh like over the summer so that would be awesome but something to keep on the radar but should we get to the main event we absolutely should why don't we start off with your number 10 my number 10 let me get these pulled up so my my i played less games than you we were talking about this off off air but you said you were able to come up with like 25 a top 25 list yeah and uh, I really struggled to come up with a top 10, so I included some things that... Let's just say, uh, like, before we even start, it was definitely a difficult year to, like, yeah. come up with, like, any sort of ranking, because there was not, like, a clear number one, I don't think, for either of us. And no. there was just, like, a lot of games that would would have filled, like, a good, like, three through seven, you know what I mean? Like, in a normal mm. year, where there's, like two really great games sort of vying for that number one spot and then you have like a bunch of really good games that are not like clear number one games of the year there was a bunch of games in that range for me this year so it was kind of hard to figure out some sort of ranking for them so my number 10 is uh a thing that started happening last year but i didn't really get into it until december uh it's an it's a website. <laughs> it's uh, that Wordle game everybody's playing. Oh, yeah. I have been logging in, not logging in because it's just a website, but I've been playing it every day for like uh, 30 days. 
And uh, it's a fun little, it reminds me of, I think we already talked about this just over text, but it reminds me of that HQ trivia kind of, where just that it is like once a day, every day, and everyone gets the same puzzle kind of a thing. So it's like a shared and everyone like, you know, shares their results. It gives you that cool little printout when you complete it and you can post it on Twitter and whatnot. A lot of people I follow on Twitter play it every day. Yeah, I've been seeing but, a lot uh, of people share that. <laughs> It's just a fun little thing. I wish it was more of an app. Like, I kind of hate that I have to, like, Google Wordle every day and <laughs> click into it and then just go to it. But, it, I mean, that's fine. And I guess there was some sort of controversy where a bunch of people tried to, like, steal the idea of Wordle and monetize it. And Apple was just like, stop doing this and, like, took down all their games. <laughs> um, stuff where it was like, hey, you can play this Wordle that has the exact same but you can play it like four times a day if you pay like $5 a day or something um, with a bunch of microtransactions. But, yeah, uh, I'm sure it'll be like Flappy Bird where they start, like exactly. you just start seeing a bunch of different apps pop up in the app store that are just very similar. But this is great. It's something I can, it's like kind of the, I get to work and I just like pull it up and I, I either will bang it out in like a half hour or I'll just, you know, look at it every once in a while I have yet to completely fail a day, which is exciting, but uh, I have had a lot of them where you get six tries for the word, and I have had like four or five of them that I am on my sixth try, and I just sort of guess, and uh, I get it, and I maybe shouldn't have gotten it, but <laughs> yeah, I've, that's my number 10. I've failed a couple of times. They they got me with like a V, like I never think yeah. to try V. They also, they get you with those double letters, too, where yeah. you're like, well, an E isn't in this because it's already here, and in fact, there are two E's. Yeah. Yeah, that I think that might have gotten me once, too, where I, I didn't think to try, like, a vowel twice, but mm -hmm. but yeah, it's fun. I agree with you. It's a, it's a fun game that's sort of having a nice little moment on the internet, so. What's your number 10? My number 10 is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Oh, I forgot you have a PS5. I do have a PS5. Um, so this game was a lot of fun. It was a great uh, little showcase for the DualSense controller as well. Uh, but it's it's basically like uh, if Pixar made a Marvel movie where it's sort of <laughs> superhero-like, but like it really is one of those things where you know how Marvel does a really good job of like balancing like humor and character moments, but also these mm -hmm. like big action set pieces. Like they really nailed it on that front where they, they did a great job of sort of balancing all of that. So you do have your like smaller character moments, but you also have like a lot of humor mixed in and you have uh, those big action set pieces that are a lot of fun. And there are so many different weapons in the game to get and unlock. And each of them, you can level them up. And they, they all have these different uh, different styles of shooting. Like some of them are like more normal guns. And some of them are like just these weird bonkers ideas of like, I think one of them you shoot out and it, it like turns everything into like grass or something like that. It's like really weird. Um, and, and you you don't have enough ammo for any one particular weapon that you can use that as like a primary and just never swap. So you do find yourself having to swap around a lot. Um, but you have so many different weapons that you're never going to also like run out of ammo to the point where you're like, well, now I have nothing to use. 
but uh <laughs> but yeah and and it feels like the gameplay is also like constantly changing up so you're going to these different areas and it's like giving you different abilities as well and like the movement and platforming also becomes very fun and yeah i really enjoyed it it was one of those games that didn't necessarily stick with me in in a huge way where i was like oh yeah this is like a you know a really high up there for me because i had never played like a ratchet and clank game before but also like when i'm looking back on the games i played this year like just like start to finish mechanically like this is definitely one of the best games that was probably made last year so yeah, we didn't talk about it, but um, AGDQ is happening right now, and I have not watched a lot of it live. I've sort of been bookmarking or like saving uh, runs that I want to watch like at my leisure, but I did catch part of the Ratchet and Clank run live, and that game, it's just like, it's a, a visual masterpiece to watch. Yeah. I was like watching during one of the first uh, big set piece moments, and it's just like an insane thing to see happening in real time. Yeah, it's a very, very beautiful game graphically. Like, it's very, very impressive. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I had a lot of fun with it. It was one of those games that once I started it, I didn't want to stop playing it. So, uh, yeah, I'll give it credit for that. It It's my number 10. What is your number nine? My number nine is a game I did not complete, but I put it on here anyway because it did impact me. Uh, Eastward is a game that I played this year. Eastward has a very solid first, like, I want to say, like, three to four hours. And I was enraptured in, like, the first three or four hours. It was great. Like, the music, the aesthetic, uh, the combat was fun. But then, sort of, it did not really evolve for me. Like, uh, the story is interesting, but the combat never really gets... uh, You get different weapons, but... I was looking for something where you get different moves as well, and yet it really is just like hitting people with a frying pan over and over again. <laughs> um, my biggest complaint with that game was it was just like way too wordy. Like every single dialogue, I, I forget, I was reading some review of it, and it was like Eastward uses like two sentences when one would do, and one sentence when none would do. Mm. Uh, and it's very true. Like, it really is just like there are times when you're playing that game and you're just like clicking through dialogue for like it feels like 20 minutes <laughs> and what really broke the camel's back for me is uh the last world you get to the, or like the final town you get to i should say is like i guess spoilers for eastward but not really the last town you get to is kind of like a groundhog's day town and so it just compounded that because I had to watch the same dialogue over and over again, and you can't skip it. You have to do the same day <laughs> over and over again, like 10 times. Oh, man. Not 10 times, probably, because I stopped. But um, I was just like, I can't deal with this right now. Uh, and then I, my one friend who was uh, also playing it alongside me was like, yeah, uh, the dialogue's pretty rough, but also the final like boss rush, because I guess they're, uh, after you get through the... Um, Groundhog's Day part, you just have to fight like back to back, back to back bosses, and it's just like very difficult. And that was something else I kind of didn't like about it was how hard it was. Like if you don't craft enough sandwiches or whatever from cooking stations, you can get trapped and almost soft lock yourself unless you're like really good at the game. You have to like, if you're in an area and you only have two hearts left, 
it's sometimes like that's it like you have to do a boss on two hearts and if you don't do it then you know tough luck um i hope you had a, like an auto save <laughs> but uh, uh the first like four like three to four hours was super super solid and i wish it had continued to evolve and be interesting to me but unfortunately it kind of fell flat because of the immense amount of text i had to read and the uh difficulty and also just like like your second character has interesting powers but they don't really do as much as you want them to do like you can basically just freeze people for a while and that's somewhat useful but i don't know that's why it's my number nine yeah i i like the art style and the music of it i i started it briefly like last year at one point and just kind of fell off of it because there were so many other games that i was trying to play as Mm -hmm. well and this it's one of those that i've considered like maybe i'll go back once i get my steam deck but um yeah i don't know it's the the way you've talked about it has sort of put me off of wanting to go back and actually play it but it's a hard game to recommend because it is so difficult at times and it's also just like at times it's almost a visual novel yeah <laughs> a little bit tedious at points yeah mm-hmm. what's your number nine my number nine is guardians of the galaxy ah, uh, i was expecting this to pop up on your list yeah so i actually finished it last weekend i want to say um it's it's one of my biggest surprises i would say because i had no expectations for it it was one of those games that when i remember seeing trailers for it or seeing them talk about it at e3 last year i was like why are they spending so much time on this game that nobody's gonna play well Um, that was like square enix's whole thing yeah they just showed like like a 20 minute 40 minutes of footage of this yeah and uh, and then it came out and everybody was like, no, actually this is pretty good. And so I was uh, against my better judgment. Maybe I went ahead and picked it up and actually really enjoyed it. I thought like we talked about it briefly on, I think our previous podcast where I was basically saying like the next mass effect game needs to like, look at how they handled like crew mm. conversations and just like, being on the ship as sort of the the hub area between missions like they need to definitely take a close look at how they handled that in guardians of the galaxy because you can basically hang out in the ship for like 20 minutes and not hear like a line of dialogue repeated you know like the the guardians all just like walk around the ship and they're or they're just like sitting on the couch and they're just sort of having these little conversations back and forth and um you can walk up to them and talk to them and they they don't do like the mass effect thing where there's like a little dialogue thing and you can you just sort of hit a button and you'll have a little conversation with them um and then you can also like find items out in the world and if you go back and you look at that item in like their quarters or whatever they will have like a deeper conversation with you and that's where you get some of those like Uh, more character revealing conversations um so i thought they did a really good job with that the combat is not the best out there it's not like bad it's just like nothing to write home about it's just sort of passable Mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of dialogue there's a lot of talking and it never got tedious or boring or like repetitive or um annoying so I thought they did a great job with the writing. I thought they did a great job with the the voice performances. Like it was one of those things where I was not sure if I was going to like it. Cause I was like, well, these are not the 
MCU versions of the characters. And yet, like, that was a little bit awkward at first, but, like, once you sort of get through that initial thing where you're like, oh, this is a different version of these characters, like, almost immediately I was like, okay, these are, I prefer this this version of the characters to the MCU version. <laughs> and so it didn't bother me at all beyond that. And uh, there were parts of the game where I was literally like laughing because oh wow uh, I thought they did such a great job with the writing and like Drax was hilarious and just sort of having that his him being so literal versus like Star Lord who is you know kind of jokey and sarcastic and just like the interaction between those two characters I thought was great and you can sort of you do get these little moments as you're like going from objective to objective where they'll start talking about something and you sort of have the opportunity to either feed into like if they're complaining about something you can kind of join them in that or you can also be like sort of the stoic you know paragon commander shepherd version where you're like refocusing the team and so you get to kind of play which version of star lord you want to be and I found that version of Star-Lord way more compelling than the Chris Pratt version, who's just like mm. kind of a doofus a little bit. Um, true. So, yeah, I don't know. I definitely recommend Guardians of the Galaxy if you've not played it yet. It's uh, it's not too long. It doesn't I don't think it overstays its welcome. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great game. So it's my number nine. Hmm. What's your number eight? Well, it the base game came out a long, long time ago, but my number eight is uh, the Minecraft Caves and Cliffs update, which was released this year. Um, every year when they do the big content drop for Minecraft and the game changes, I tend to d- dive in at least for a couple weeks and create a new world and just like listen to a podcast while I'm checking it out. And uh, this one's really great. They The Caves and Cliffs update really, really affected world generation and i was able to find i didn't like look up uh like spe- like check out this world seed it's like really crazy i just sort of generated two or three until i found one that was interesting and then i just kind of played around in it and it, there have been a ton of changes since i stopped playing last year um the new cave system is super super cool and i downloaded uh like a shader pack so it has like interesting lighting and everything looks really nice and uh, Minecraft is just the game that keeps on giving. It's uh, I almost was going to get people to play it with me, but then I was like, no, I just kind of want to do this solo and listen to a podcast. Uh, and it was great. I'm excited for the next update next year. The I think it's called the Wild Update or something like that, or the Deep Wild. Um, that's going to be super interesting, but I always love to revisit this game. And this specific, this Caves and Cliffs update... Uh, was a great one i would say like the last two were just like okay i didn't really care about uh what was the last one i feel like it was like uh the ocean one maybe i don't remember um but this one is great oh no maybe the last one was the town one but uh definitely if you still have minecraft uh if you bought it like you know 10 years ago or whatever (laughs) it's a great time to dive back in because uh world generation is insane now and uh you can find some really really interesting cool stuff and just kind of explore without really a goal in mind Hmm. yeah i'm not i have never played minecraft so i don't know (laughs) we should do a maybe like a video sometime where i i do find a good world seed and we just like explore yeah i'd be into that what's your number eight 
My number eight is Little Nightmares 2. Ah, so yes. This was, I think, the first 2021 game I played last year. Uh, oh, wow. It came in, like, I want to say early February. Uh, it was a Stadia Pro game when it launched, so I, I probably would not have played it if it was not for Stadia Pro. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm not super into, like, creepy horror stuff, but, like... um. It's like a side-scrolling game that there's like some puzzle elements to it, and you're. Um, it's a very. I don't want to spoil anything because I do still want you to play this game, <laughs> but uh, it is. It's really, really good. the The vibe of the game is creepy, but it's not like super spooky horror type stuff. I wouldn't say, and where the game goes is just like it's pretty mind-blowing a little bit like especially later on in the game and i it's one of those games that you'll play and then you'll want to look up like a bunch of uh, analysis videos on youtube Mm. just to like see uh other players take away of like what they thought um happened and like how they thought the the resolution to the game was and so uh, I definitely recommend it. It's not a super long game, so you can definitely get through it uh, relatively quickly. Uh, I did not play the first Little Nightmares, uh, but I I think maybe just through watching some of the analysis videos of Little Nightmares 2, I got a little bit of the story of what happened in the first one. And uh, I yeah, I definitely recommend Little Nightmares 2. It, it's one of those games that's really, really unique and satisfying it's kind of i want to liken it a little bit to like uh limbo and inside sort of side scrolling mm. a little bit puzzly and like there's not really dialogue so much as there's just um a lot of environmental storytelling and so the fact that they're able to tell such an interesting compelling little story with the world that they've designed is just like it's it's one of the best design games I've played in a long time. I think it's wow. it's very, very clever with its uh, environmental storytelling. So I highly recommend that. Uh, yeah, it, it was on my list to play. I uh, I bought the first one on Switch because it was on sale. And the first one, I, I hit a wall and it was uh, just like too obtuse for me. Like I dropped into a room and there were like a bunch of black snakes in that room. And I could not figure out how to get past it. I had to look up what to do. Um, and I was just like, I don't know if I'm interested in this right now. But I've only heard good things about the second one. Um, do you think it's okay? So you didn't even play the first one. Do you think it's okay to just go right to the second one? Yeah, I I just jumped into the second one and didn't feel like I was necessarily missing anything. Mm. But I'm sure you could also just look up like a recap of the first game. And That's then true. just jump into the second one. I've also heard that the first one's a little bit obtuse and not necessarily as good as the second one. So I would mm. definitely say just jump into the second one. I also I want to say, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the second one might even be like a prequel to the first one. I believe that is true, yes. So uh, if that's the case, like you might understand the second one a little bit more having played the first one before it, but you might mm. be fine to just play the second one and then go back and play the first one if you really wanted to. Hmm. Maybe in 2022 I will. Maybe. Uh, my number seven is something we don't have to 
talk about a lot because I'm anticipating it's maybe on your list as well. Um, but I only played part of it. Uh, so we can have the main conversation if it is further down your list. Uh, but my number seven is the Halo Infinite multiplayer side of things. Um, I dove into this uh, not as much as I thought I was going to, but I really, really enjoyed it. And it really made me nostalgic for the old days of like Halo 1 and 2 multiplayer. Um, I had a lot of fun. Just like it's it's very refreshing to have this kind of multiplayer experience and also for it to be 100% free. Um, it really brought me back to the old days in high school when we would hook up two like first gen Xboxes <laughs> and just like each be in a room and play 4v4 against each other. But uh, is this a game that's also on your list? But you also played the campaign and I've not done that yet. It is spoilers a little bit. It is further up my list. Yeah, I, okay, I really so we don't have to touch on it too much. Yeah, but. we can talk a bit about the multiplayer, though. I, I really enjoyed the multiplayer as well. I put a, a good amount of time into it. I've not I returned to it a little bit like I played a little bit uh, this last week uh, and I still enjoy it. I still think it's great. And as someone who was not ever really a halo person before, like, I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it enough to not just put it on my top 10 list, but to like genuinely play a good amount of it. And so it did sort of make me more of a halo person. Um, I, I like the different abilities. I, I think a lot of my thoughts maybe are more related to the campaign. So maybe we'll save that That's a little figure, bit, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I, I generally I think the multiplayer itself, if there was no campaign, still would have been worth having on like the top ten because it's that good. I agree. So, yeah. So yeah, the the fact that there's also like a campaign for it and it's good, but definitely puts it higher up on my list. But we'll <laughs> get to that uh, in a little bit. What's your number seven? My number seven is one that might also be on your list. So. Maybe I don't know how much of this conversation we want to have right now, but uh, it's Bowser's Fury. Ah, yes. Let's talk about it. I uh, well, I, I had Super Mario Three World plus Bowser's Fury because I had never played Three D World before. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I really enjoyed uh, the Three D World stuff, but mainly I was thinking of it for Bowser's Fury because that's the stuff that really stuck with me. This was sort of early on. Uh, Maybe this is too much of an anecdote, but like this, I feel like this came out in February or March. Like it was super early. early, Yeah. And at the time, uh, me and my family were planning like our summer vacation. So we were like, we were planning like a a beach vacation basically. So I'm like, my brain was in like beach vacation mode. And so I was playing (laughs) this game. And of course in Bowser's Fury, you're riding around on Plessy across the water and like stopping off in these different islands and so, like, when I was not planning my vacation, I was basically on vacation in Bowser's Fury. And, of course, it sort of coincided with the opening of Super Nintendo World at Universal in Japan. Yes, you're right. And so I was, like, watching all these YouTube videos of these people going around Super Nintendo World. And I, it was making me want to play Mario stuff. And so I was playing Bowser's Fury. And so it was just this, like, never-ending loop of, like, like it may be cold and horrible here in the Midwest because it's like February and March, but like I was in <laughs> full on vacation mode. And so like that time uh, of the year for whatever reason, like stuck with me in a big way. And I very often think back fondly to like my time with Bowser's fury because of that. 
And I would normally not put on my list a game that is uh, sort of a re-release um, from like a previous year, uh, speaking to like the Super Mario 3D World stuff. But like the Bowser's Fury, uh, even though it was short, was like good enough that it definitely made me want to put it on my list. And it was kind of like, it's not really super mario odyssey it's a little different in terms of like movement and some of that but Mm -hmm. um it it did kind of give you a sense of what uh a an open world mario game might look like and so i remember there being a lot of speculation at the time that maybe this is the future path forward for mario games like will there be i would love that will there be like an open world mario game like will would the next one be open world and i think that would be awesome and i like what they did with like allowing you to sort of stash different suits that you could get mm-hmm. like so say you uh currently have the fire flower power and then you get the cat suit like instead of the the fire power just going away it goes into your little inventory so if you lose the cat suit you can just like equip the fire one and or if you like happen upon a situation like you're going through the puzzle or you're fighting some enemies and you're like, man, I really wish I had the the cat suit for this. You can just equip one if you maybe had something else equipped at the time. And that's something I don't think Mario has done before. So no, I definitely hope that they ha- have something like that. Even if like the next game is like Super Mario Odyssey 2, I hope they like implement something like that in Super Mario or yeah, Odyssey 2 if they do that. Just to like be able to stash different suits that you can use but i guess i guess it's different for odyssey since you're throwing cappy and taking over (laughs) enemies but i mean but an open world i mean if this was kind of like a test like soft launch of what it would be like to have a completely open world sort of a one map with different areas style mario game i feel like it was a huge success and hopefully they saw that and realized like yeah it is possible to have this like giant world that you can just go explore different parts of and it's all one area and uh i am very excited for whatever the next mainline mario is based on this yeah and there was also some speculation that well what if instead of doing like you know every five to seven years putting out like a new mainline mario game what if they just like every other year were dropping these little more bite-sized things like you could get more mario more often but they would be shorter releases I thought even that would be kind of cool, but I do I do still want Super Mario Odyssey 2, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, tell me about your number six. Uh, so, okay, my number six is not necessarily a full game, but it is in fact a demo, and we made a video about it. Uh, it's a game that I re- revisited a number of times, uh, Cultic. It's the Cultic demo that came out this year. Uh, I'm a big fan of those retro shooters, uh, like, you know, Blood or like Ion Maiden is a recent one that came out that's kind of like uh, inspired by those. But mm-hmm. this Cultic demo is something that I would just put on and play through, even though it's like maybe like 30 minutes of gameplay. I just love the aesthetic of it. And I, I love the way those old games play. And you can like, there's a button to like, you know, kick people and whatnot. Um, but I am super pumped for this game to get more content and be released. But uh, I put a surprising number of hours into basically just a demo, like a 30-minute tech, not tech demo, but basically just a, 
a level one of this game that will come out, you know, who knows when. But uh, I played it enough that I, I, I think I probably put more hours into it maybe than my Minecraft. So I was like, yeah, why not put this in? Um, even though it was only, you know, the basically the first level of this thing and it didn't have like all the weapons and things like that. But the cultic demo is my number six. Yeah, we do have vi- go ahead and check that video yeah, I was gonna out say, on our channel. We got that video up on our YouTube channel if you wanna see what that game is like, so check that out. Very fun, and uh we'll do a video on it when it fully releases, because uh, I'm sure I'll definitely get it and play it. Yeah. But what's your number six? My number six is Persona Five Strikers. So uh-huh. I really liked Persona 5. I didn't finish it because it's such a long game, but I, I loved yeah. it, and it, it has left a lasting impression on me. And I, I very often think about going back to it or you know playing through Persona 5 Royal, which is like a longer version with more content in it. Um, but this, to sort of uh, go back to my mindset of being on summer vacation, Persona 5 Strikers is... Uh, summer vacation whereas persona 5 is like the school year for like a, a group of uh, high school students persona 5 strikers is them going on like a summer road trip uh, and stopping off at different uh, cities in japan and one of them is like a beach area so uh, again <laughs> just more of that early part of the year like february march mindset of being on summer vacation but um, but no, I, I really liked it. It is like the first Muso style game that I've played. So it's, it's not like a turn-based game like Persona 5. It is that, uh, action, like combo heavy style, uh, of game like, uh, the Warriors games. I, I don't, I'm not super familiar with all of those, uh, but it took me a while to adjust to it. But once I did, I really actually liked that style of combat and i liked being able to swap to all the different characters and use their different combos and trying to have the right characters in my party at the right time for the different enemies that i was fighting and uh it's a pretty long game but not nearly as long as persona 5 so it's like way more (laughs) achievable if you want to jump in and play it but it is one of those games where it's hard to recommend just because it's not really setting up or developing the characters because all of that work was done in persona five It's just sort of mm-hmm. carrying them forward. And it does introduce a new character. That's, that's also like really unique and cool. And they really developed that character well. And I thought they did a great job with that, but it, it's really one of those things where like, if you played persona five and you liked it, this is like one last adventure with those characters before persona six comes out and they move on to a completely new cast of characters and so it was like really sort of nostalgic a little bit because it is sort of um like a last summer vacation for these characters before they all sort of head their separate ways to go to you know like different colleges or whatever and so that it kind of also took me back to that time in my life when i was like you know, saying goodbye to friends from school and all of that. So I did get kind of nostalgic uh, towards the end of this game. Um, it was tough. It was harder than I thought it was going to be. But uh, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. The soundtrack is great. Like everybody loves the Persona 5 soundtrack and the Persona 5 soundtrack is great. I still listen to that fairly often. But uh, Strikers is 
like where Persona 5 is a little bit more like low-key and sort of jazzy, like Persona 5 Strikers soundtrack is uh, a little more upbeat. And mm. so there's some like really great tracks to that that soundtrack. I've been listening to it off and on throughout the year and I still really like it. So I think it is like the free PlayStation Plus game of the month, one of them. If I think you're right actually. If yeah. you have PlayStation Plus. So I would say just jump in and try it out and see <laughs> see if you like it or not cuz it's it's a lot of fun. I really like it. I like the characters even though the characters they probably are like perfect stereotypes of like just certain types of people, but I don't care. I really liked it anyway. I like the characters and I had fun with it. So it's my number six. What's your number five? My number five is Death's Door. Ooh. I, the Crow game. I have still not played this. I'm waiting for my Steam Deck and I think I will jump in and play that. I like this game a lot. It's very short, but it is also there are parts that are pretty difficult. And I wish they would have made... I think I talked about this before on the podcast, but I wish they would have made it easier to acquire the different weapons. Um, The the weapons end up being sort of like Easter eggs that you have to like figure out how to get kind of after the fact. Hmm. Um, So I pretty much just stayed with the main sword the entire time uh there was a weapon i didn't even get but uh the boss battles are interesting and cool um the music is great the music is very very yeah good. i was gonna say i even though i've not played the game i feel like i've listened to the soundtrack to this game a bunch over the yeah the year because the especially the main theme is excellent yeah. the levels are super fun there's a hook shot which i always love in a game uh it's great. I would definitely. There was a uh, speed run of it at the at SG at ADGQ that I have bookmarked and I'm going to watch eventually. But um, yeah, this is just a great little game. Like you said, there's a lot of middling games this year that really fill in the like three to seven slot, and uh, it's not something that like blew me away, but it is something I super enjoyed and something I beat, which is uh, which was rare this year. Um, so definitely check out Death Store. Maybe we will eventually do a video on it if you end up playing it on your Steam Deck because I would love to see how it runs on the Steam Deck. Yeah, I, it's one of those games that I like. I tried to start it on PC back when it came out, and then like I went on vacation, and so I got sidetracked from it, and then other stuff came mm-hmm. out, and so I, I didn't end up going back to it. And so ever since then... I was like, well, this will be like maybe the first game I play once I get my Steam Deck. Because it does seem like a good game that you would play portably, like if you play it on Switch or something like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to actually jumping in and and giving it a real go since I didn't the first time around. But uh, I like the art style for sure. What is your number five? My number five is Chivalry 2. Oh yeah, I remember you were very into this. Yeah, so I I played I must have played so much of this over the summer. It was just one of those games that's like wacky and slapstick, f- funny. I like you're you start off in battle for people that don't know, it's like a multiplayer hack and slash like uh medieval style combat game which I've never played before. I when I think of multiplayer games online, I think of shooters and uh, so this was sort of a, a new different thing for me 
and I got really into it. I, I played a bunch of it. It was just one of those games that was like fun to sort of unwind with at the end of the night. You just jump in and like I didn't care if I was doing bad. I really didn't. It was just fun uh, to like go in with like a, you know, big long sword or like, a you know, two handed hammer or axe and just like go in and just like swing away and start hitting enemies and super satisfying when you would do like one of the heavy overhand attacks and you would actually land it and like take somebody's head off or something it was it's just it's hilarious and fun and i don't know i had a great time with it i i must have there's a ton of dlc for it too right yeah they've been bringing out new stuff they've had some uh events and i i've been sort of following it a little bit off and on uh throughout the year and they did have like a a christmas event that i kind of am kicking myself for not jumping into at least a little bit (laughs) because i do like skins and stuff and i do like different holiday events but yeah this is a game that i have not played much recently but i think i'm I wouldn't mind jumping back into it again, but I played a, a ton of it uh, over the summer. So it was one of those games that if I organized my list based on like time played, this one would probably be fairly high up. So <laughs> it's my number five. What is your number four? Number four, we already talked about. It was uh, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And I did play a fair amount of the 3D World as well, not just the Bowser's Fury. Um and that was very, very fun. Also, it's like multiplayer, so you can play with a friend, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, we really we already discussed it. But yeah, uh, I am excited for the future of wherever Mario is heading based on Bowser's Fury. I hope they take lessons learned from that and expand on it in a crazy way. But I would also be fine with Odyssey 2, whatever that would be. Yeah. But uh, that's my number four. What's your number four? My number four is Psychonauts 2. So ah yes, this PS5 having guy that you are. Oh, actually, this is on PS4. I I played it on PC through Xbox Game Pass though. So I, I oh oh yeah, it was on Game Pass. I forgot. Yeah, so this is one of those weird titles that's like an Xbox Studios game, but it also just happened to come out on uh, PlayStation consoles. Yeah, during the transition. Kind yeah, of. so I I subscribed to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, this last year uh, for the first time. And this was one of the first games I played through uh, Game Pass, and it was great. It, it's, uh, I mean, I liken it a little bit to Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart because they're both like third person platforming games that have like unique animated styles, and you're sort of going from area to area trying to collect as many of the collectibles as you can, and they're uh, telling. A story in a way that's that um, makes you think of like a good animated movie but Psychonauts 2 is just like so inventive and creative and like um, the art style I think took me a little bit to adjust to but it like gets really colorful at times and really interesting and just like the areas that they've designed are just like like I don't know how they thought to come up with these different things that they made it's just like it's so very creative and um i would say ratchet and clank might have had the better combat but like i think psychonauts 2 was a little bit more off the wall in a way that stuck with me a longer like i i definitely mm. remember um thinking about psychonauts 2 more after i finished it than uh ratchet and clank but yeah i 
I found it really fun, really satisfying, and the music is very good. Very underrated soundtrack. One of the more underrated soundtracks uh, from 2021. So uh, it's my number four. What's your number three? My number three is maybe something, I don't know if it'll be on your list, but it's something I played a ton of last year. Uh, Loop Hero. Ah, yeah. Loop Hero is a, a nice little indie game. Um, I never got to the final boss of it, but I was just looking up how much time I've put on it. I have 30 hours in it right oh, now. Oh, man. Because I would just throw it on. It was a great game. In my previous job, I had this thing I had to do sometimes at night where I basically had to log into these remote servers and update these things that would basically just be like clicking a button, waiting 10 minutes, and then clicking another button. Um and so I would just put Loop Hero on and I would just play this and like listen to a podcast or listen to some music and uh, do that task. And it's just like it's very relaxing and it's nice to like it's cool to experiment and to get like interesting builds that get really uh, like powerful. And eventually you're just like going around over and over again and collecting materials and whatnot. Yeah. I could never crack that final boss. Uh, and I think how there's many, probably something I'm doing wrong. How many bosses are there? Three, I believe. Okay, I was going to say, I, might be I a never secret made it one. through the second boss. I, I kind of hit a wall with it where I, yeah. I seem... I think a lot of people yeah, did. Yeah, I couldn't quite get past I really loved the idea of it. I had a lot of fun with it. I don't know how much time I put into it, but I put a lot of time into it. It's one of those games that I loved, but maybe just because I, I was never able to finish it, I, it fell just outside my top ten. It's still something I'm actively playing. If, like... Uh, if I have to do something on the computer that it doesn't take a lot of my attention, I will throw it on and just uh, play it for a while in the back. It's a kind of a great game to play in the yeah. background. It a lot of it kind of reminds me of Into the Breach a lot because much like Into the Breach, it kind of respects your time in that you can just leave whenever you want to and come right back to exactly where you were, even if you're in the middle of something. Oh, really? So I would just like... I would be mid loop and I would just exit and you know, two days later I'd come back and be in the same loop and just continue. Oh, really? on. I never tried that. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, it's, it's really cool. I like the aesthetic of it a lot. Yeah, uh, it is a very nice aesthetic and I like the music too. Like the chiptune music. It's something I almost bought again on switch, but I decided not to, cause I think it's, it's a game I think I need to play with a mouse and keyboard. Yeah. But um, one of the things I really I liked, hope to one day be one it. of the things I really liked about it, and this is maybe more, uh, you know, giving credit to Steam, but like I could play it on my desktop, and then I would pull up my laptop, and it, it also had like a Mac version because I have a, a MacBook Pro, and so it was mm-hmm. a game that when I was like when I would go across town and spend time with family, I could just take my laptop, and every now and then I would I would pull up Loop Hero and continue where I had left off. So that was a, a fun little thing. I will hopefully one day complete it, but it is something I'm still actively playing. Every couple of weeks, I'll load it up and just play it. But, it's so unique too. Um, I will say it's one of those things that it's such an interesting idea. Yeah, when you think back on 2021, it's definitely one of the ones that's. Uh, stands out because it's something like i've never personally played anything like it and yet i got super into it when i was playing it so what's your number three my number three we started this conversation it's halo infinite yes so tell me all about this campaign the campaign so i one of the reasons why i think i initially had this higher on my list and to be fair like Given the day, I might have reordered my top three. Just I was confident on the top three being the top three. I just wasn't necessarily confident on which one to put where. Um, 
But the reason Halo Infinite fell a little bit for me was I'm not sure I understood the story. <laughs> now, granted, <laughs> granted, I knew that I was not going to because I had not played Halo 4 and Halo 5. And so the mindset I had going into this was there's going to be elements I'm not going to understand, especially like the stuff with Cortana. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know the lore of Halo. So for me, I thought of it more of uh, like the opening cutscene. Master Chief gets beat up by this big uh, space ape man. I don't know. And he kicks you off the ring and you get discovered by this UNSC pilot guy. And he takes you down to the ring and you guys go sort of uh, together. You work through this. Uh, you're, you're going around. It's, it's not quite open world, but it, it does have sort of almost a Far Cry feel to it where you're like going around sort of liberating uh, forward operating bases and claiming them. And you're, you, once you do that, you open up more objectives where you can go like help out some UNSC soldiers who have either been captured or in the middle of a firefight. And so once you go free them, they actually go back and sort of populate your forward operating bases and you can go find, like you can actually find um, cosmetics for the multiplayer in the campaign mode, which I thought was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just had a lot of fun going around, clearing all the different objectives, uh, sort of Far Cry style where it's, it's semi open world and you're able to just like go around the map, checking off different objectives. And um, there are like high value targets that you can go take out. And if you, you take them out, they have like a unique version of one of the weapons in the game that you can sort of add to your inventory that when you go back to one of the forward operating bases, you can like, Reequip, like you can uh, pick which weapons you want to take with you and so you can choose one of the special weapons that one of those high value targets had there's just like a lot of really cool ideas to it and like the grappling hook is so good it's so much fun to just like go around it's sort of that skyrim thing where you're like there's a mountain you can go to the top of it but like you don't know how to get there so you kind of like do this awkward jump thing where you get all mm -hmm. the way to the top <laughs> you can do basically that but you use the grappling hook and it's like super satisfying to get around uh the map to the point where relatively rarely did i use any of the actual vehicles because if you go to the forward operating base you can also like summon a vehicle to go around and i did end up using those to like take out the high value target so i didn't have to like get close and actually do the combat with them but like yeah the grappling hook was great it was a uh, one of my favorite features of any game just like running around that world using the grappling hook <laughs> and so like story-wise i i didn't think of it as like oh i want to know what's going on with this lore and cortana and all of that stuff and like the conclusion to this i thought of it more as this is like a revenge thing where i'm going to take down this one big ape space ape man who beat me up and threw me out of the, the ship. I'm going to go to this ring. I'm going to liberate the, the ring from these, uh, um, I forget the name of the, the banished. I'm going to yeah. clear all of those guys out. And I'm going to take down this, this boss man who it, it was sort of running the show. And when you think of it in that way, it's pretty fun and satisfying to do that. There's just like <laughs> a bunch of extra elements that I had no idea what was going on with. So, um, so yeah, based solely on the campaign and how much fun I had 
clearing that, that could have made my top 10. And based on how much fun I had with the multiplayer and how good it is, that alone also could have made my list. So the, the fact that it comes as sort of a complete package, um, it's very, very good. And so that's why it's my number three. It's crazy that the in Steam, the campaign is listed as DLC for Halo. Yeah, it is. Weird. Well, so they had to have them as two separate listings since the multiplayer is free and you yeah. have to pay for the campaign. But they're, it's one it's one item that you launch from steam. You know what I mean? Like if you launch yeah. the, the multiplayer, you can play the campaign from there. So it's not like a separate game that you're launching. It is crazy. So, so I guess that is how they would have to do it. But, um, my number two, I wonder if it's your number two, cause we've not talked about it yet. Okay. Uh, my number two is Metroid dread. Ooh, we did it. Same one. Metroid dread is also my number two. What a game this was. I am not a guy who, likes metroidvania games or maybe i am now but it's not something i ever gravitated towards yeah me neither this was Um, a sort of a new experience for me as well yeah it was great the the art style was cool uh it's kind of like they really it is still 2d but there's kind of a 3d aspect to it when you have certain items like they call it when you do your super ray yeah it's that exactly um it really it it is designed so well because i think we talked about this where we would sometimes be, we would get to a door that would go to a different area and we'd be like, well, I wonder if we need to explore more. And the answer to that is always no. (laughs) Like when the game shows you a door, go through that door because it's designed so well, it like funnels you into these paths uh, where you feel like you do have freedom, but in fact you are sort of going down, it's holding your hand a little bit. Um, Yeah, I'll say at first I found that off-putting uh, a little bit because I did want to more freely explore and it is a little bit more linear than you maybe initially realize but eventually you you realize oh no this is actually really well designed and like mm-hmm. um, they've basically like the director of this game just like you know ushered you along like a specific pathway for a specific reason and later on in the game when you have more abilities that's when you can do some more of the exploring and also, like, every boss battle is so well-designed where I would go into it and immediately get wrecked because I did no, had no idea what was going <laughs> on. But I would play it, like, three times, and every time I would get more and more information and be able to progress a little farther. And I never had to look up a guide for a boss. I was always just like, oh, okay, uh, it looks like I need to climb this thing at this time, and then I can get to the next stage. And usually they had, like, three stages. Uh, and it was always very, very satisfying to just like bang it out after like three or four attempts. Um, but it was great. Yeah. I, the sense of progression you get, like, cause you're always getting new abilities and things. And I think that is like a staple of Metroidvania games is yeah. you get these items that you use for combat, but you also progress the story with them and can use them to like get to new areas. Yeah. But, and like new movement mechanics as well. Exactly. Um, it was great. I don't know anything about Samus or Metroid, really. They do kind of a good job of catching you up on it, about, like, the story so far. Um, but I was interested in the story. I was interested in, you know, what was going on with these bird people and whatnot. (laughs) Uh, it was a game that I, I did not expect to be on my radar at all, but, uh, I really, really, really liked it. I was not sure I was gonna play it, but, um... I was like, it's one of those storied franchises where everybody's talking about it and everybody loves it. And so it was like, 
I feel like I should play it. You know, even if I don't necessarily get into it, I should at least give it a shot. And it took me a while um, to adjust to what the game was doing. And once I made that adjustment and it finally clicked, I got like really into it. Um, I did use a guide to get through it. It was one of those games that I would get lost sometimes and not know I did as go well. or what to do. And so maybe that's why it's a little bit not as high as it might have been for other people. Um, but I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I liked the art style. I liked, it made me sort of a Metroidvania fan. Like after having played Metroid Dread, I, I, spoilers. I, well, I guess we can talk about it now. I was going to say some of the stuff I've been playing recently have been Metroidvanias, uh, basically oh. because of Metroid Dread. So like I went back and played, um, like over Christmas, I was, I started uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, oh, and yeah, that game, I have that game. It's so good. Like, you should definitely start playing it if you haven't yet. It's very, very good. Like, it, very similarly to Metroid Dread, you basically start out with nothing. Like, you can jump once, but, like, by the end of it, you got <laughs> double jump, you've got dash, you've got, like, a grappling ability, and you have all these different uh, attack methods at your, uh, at your disposal. And that's one of the reasons why Metroid Dread was so satisfying is because you start out with like a pea shooter and then like by the end of the game you got this massive beam you're like destroying everything with (laughs) and just sort of so kind of like you said the sense of progression and it is just like very very satisfying um and then i it actually did also make me go back and play um super metroid i just recently just within like the last week i i would uh got out my uh snes classic and i was like because i I finished Guardians of the Galaxy and I was like, well, I don't have anything new to play, so I should play something. And I kind of jumped around for a bunch of different things, but I was like, I'm going to pull out my Super NES Classic and start Super Metroid. And so I've put like a few hours into it. And it's one of those games that I've started maybe a couple of times, but I would always get lost and not know what to do. And I would just fall off of it. Uh, without having put very much time into it at all and so this is sort of the first time i've actually really given it a proper chance and yeah i'm having a lot of fun with it i i did i think i got stuck at a point because i i i must have missed the charge beam and i feel like i'm at a boss where i need the charge beam so i might have to start <laughs> it over again and if I do that, I might just do it on uh, Switch Online because it is available yeah, it's on, on there. Switch Online. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those games that you always hear is like a, a perfect masterpiece that still holds up today. And I've always doubted that a little bit. But having now gone back and actually played some of it, I can say like it is super confusing to like navigate a little bit. And so I have used a guide for it. But like... It is just mechanically speaking and even visually speaking, it does actually hold up. And I, I think I've come around on that. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing watching. Tell me about your number one. My number one did not come out this year, but I did get into it this year. Uh, my number one is Cyberpunk 2077. Ooh. Yeah, well, this is one of those interesting ones that came out so late in the year in 2020 that a lot of people did actually push it from consideration for that year, and it's now sort of a 2021 title. So I I played it initially. I got it on Stadia. 
Um, and I put like 24, I, my last save when I started it up again was 24 hours in. And it was good. It, for some reason, I just stopped playing it. I kind of lost interest in it. But in like at the end of, I would say like the end of October or maybe like mid-November this year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try picking up Cyberpunk again. And I got really, really into it. I uh, I maxed out two of my stats. I maxed out intelligence and uh, technology. So I went like with the hacking route. So I have the ability now to just kill people by looking at them. So I will just like roll up on a situation on my bike from Akira, uh, Akira, and. Uh, <laughs> I won't even get off of my motorcycle. I will just like look at someone and I have, I got that contagion quick hack, which just like spreads to other people. Um, and I'll just infect someone and everyone will die. And then I'll just like casually stroll in and complete the mission. But I have done, I believe almost every side mission. Now I, I, I started with 24 hours into the game and now I'm at 65 hours Oh man! as of my last save. So I didn't do any of the main story. I've just been going around doing all of the side missions and all of like the little blue icons for like high value targets and like uh, crime activities or whatnot. All the question marks that are like, what will you find here? Yeah. So I'm like super maxed out. I have gotten a bunch of iconic weapons, including my main gun is this thing called Comrade's Hammer, I think is what it's called. Huh. And it's a gun that only fires one bullet, but it explodes people. Like, when I shoot someone with it, both of their arms always fly off, and they set on fire. Wow. Um, and it's just, it's a big-time power fantasy, and I am just reaching the part where I am running out of side missions, and I am starting to do the main missions. But, man, it's it's some of the most fun I've had this year in games. And it's also, because it's on Stadia, I have been pretty, like, frequently swapping between playing it on TV and playing it on computer, which has been really, really nice. Um, and I love the story of it. I love the the world of cyberpunk. Um, just like looking at all the vistas and all the weird, interesting interactions you have. Yeah, um, I must have taken like a hundred screenshots while I was playing yeah. through cyberpunk because it is such a like cool looking cityscape. It's something that I will be excited for. I initially was like, oh, they're making DLC for this, whatever. But now I'm super interested in whatever they're planning on doing for the DLC, even though it got pushed back forever. Yeah. Uh, I will definitely be diving into whatever new content they have for this. If there's a new area or, you know, new iconic weapons to get. If there are new quick hacks to get, that's great because that's the build I'm going for. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's my number one, even though it didn't come out this year. Like you said, it came out late last year and I picked it up and kind of put it back down but i really really engaged with it this year and that's why it's my number one what about um what's your number one uh my number one is tales of arise i figured this might be your number one yeah so tales of arise is i mentioned it i've talked about it briefly on previous podcasts but like i like the big like long rpgs like that's kind of the type of thing that i'm looking for when i'm looking for a like a zach style game you know what i mean like <laughs> so this was sort of um i've likened it a little bit to like final fantasy 7 remake it was sort of that title for me this year where it was like a long jrpg that is like an action rpg and it's very story and character driven 
Uh, and you're going to these different areas and you're doing combat and to an extent that's like both a good and bad thing because it it is like i really like the characters and the story and i was really like absorbed by all of that and i was having fun with the combat but the it's a double-edged sword because similar to um something like uh yakuza like a dragon you get to a point it's a jrpg thing (laughs) where you eventually realize you're going to have to stop and do some grinding. And so mm. you're like playing through the story and you're like, man, I really want to get to that next story beat because I'm really interested and invested in where this is going. But you're like, oh, I have to stop and, and grind for like 10 to 15 hours to, to actually be able to handle the enemies oh, I'm up against. So like that happened in Yakuza like a dragon. And yeah, it, did. it happened to me in Tales of Arise as well. There, it, there just comes a point in, in any JRPG where you know you're going to have to grind, and that, so that's kind of a bummer. But like, um, it's also the type of game that I think I put like 60, 70 hours into, but you could have easily, if you wanted to, put like a hundred plus hours into it. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's so much like side content that I didn't even get to. Um, so like, just value for money. If you're like the type of person that buys like a couple games a year and you just put a lot of time into it like you're gonna get a lot from tales of arise but uh yeah it i had not played a tales game in the past so this was sort of a new thing for me as well and uh yeah it really sort of filled that void for me uh from last year of just like a really big long rpg there it didn't seem like there was a lot of those last year and so this yeah kind of, this kind of uh, filled that void and uh, i really liked it i liked the art style as well i played it on ps5 um and yeah i thought it was great so that's my number one um did you, were there any like uh, sort of honorable mentions or anything that maybe might have made your list that, that you didn't get around to playing or finishing uh, I did not super. Ha- I like I said, I struggled to come up with ten. I know you were uh, had a couple more because you uh, played a bit more games than me, but um, not really. No, I, I pretty much just. I mean, Cyberpunk is just so fresh in my mind. It's the thing I've been playing most of besides like Wordle every day. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't really anything else. What about you? Do you have a like a, a top eleven or like what was your? Yeah, I was going to say just make the list. I guess I could go through the rest of my twenty five. Yeah. Uh, if you just want to hear them. Um, so number 11 was Young Souls. This was that Stadia timed exclusive oh, that yeah, I yeah. played. Uh, number 12 was Wave Tail. That was another Stadia timed exclusive that uh, fairly similar to Bowser's Fury in terms of like what you're doing in the game. But mm-hmm. um, 13 uh, was Lost in Random. This was that oh, yeah. sort of Tim Burton esque. Uh, game i played it on switch and really enjoyed it um number 14 was loop hero i really like that game but i did sort of fall off of it because i I hit a wall and just couldn't Mm -hmm. make any progress number 15 was near replicant uh i played through that game uh fairly early on in the year and it's weird because it is like an xbox game and and so you can you know from generations ago so you you kind of feel that in terms of some of its design Mm -hmm. uh but also just like really this is my first near game and just like what a sort of unique like style and vibe uh with like the music and just the world and everything um 
also multiple endings that you have to play through the game multiple times for like that really threw me off and so i played (laughs) it through once and then i watched some video of people playing the other uh playing the multiple playthroughs just to kind of get a sense of what's going on with the story and it is very interesting i think that that concept is maybe better in idea than it is in practice. Like I don't want to play through the same stuff over and over again to, to understand what's going on with the rest of the story. I just want the story to be in the story. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I thought it was cool anyway. Um, number 16 is death loop. I didn't finish it. I liked some of what that game was doing. Um, and I, I did play through basically all the storylines. I just did not put it all together to complete the game. And I did listen to sort of a spoiler cast to like get what's going on with the story. And people are kind of mixed on where that game goes story wise. Um, and I won't spoil it, but like, yeah, I, I kind of understand that. But I thought there were definitely some cool concepts to it. I had fun playing it. It just was. I was not as into it as I thought I was going to be. (laughs) Uh, Number 17 is Legend of Keepers. I talked about it multiple times throughout the year. I must have put like a solid like 30 hours into this game over the course of the year. And it's like a dungeon master, dungeon keeper style game where you um, is sort of a little bit roguelike where you're defending a a dungeon from... uh, these heroes and adventurers that are coming in and so you're you're using different monsters and and you have these like turn-based battles and i actually really liked it it's one of those games i don't think anybody talked about throughout the year but it came out last year and i played a lot of it and enjoyed it so i recommend that number 18 is riders republic which i played on stadia and the i'm not super into racing games or anything but i really enjoyed writer's republic i i probably put a solid 15 20 hours into it it was one of those games where you do have like a jet wing jet pack type of a thing and so i spent a good amount of time just like flying around like iron man in that game just for the <laughs> sake of it because it was fun and there are different like collectibles you can go pick up and so i would just like pull up my map uh put a mark a spot on it and just like fly around to the next spot so thought that was fun and of course like riding and doing the bike uh races and some of those tricks and everything that you can do i thought it was pretty fun um 19 was dreamscaper i think we did a video on this this game yes yeah uh it's a, a hades like game if you like hades it's a, a roguelike where you're you sort of have a hub world that you can go talk to people and um learn about different characters in the world and you can you have these sort of permanent upgrades that you can get um, there and then you go into the the dreamscape and it's very much like Hades where um, you're battling these enemies and you're going to different uh, stages and different levels or whatever and you're fighting different bosses and then when you uh, inevitably fail because I always do <laughs> you end up back in the the real world and you're you go around and talk to people and you can buy some upgrades and stuff like that and uh i found that uh to be very fun and uh very satisfying i liked the art style quite a bit uh, so that's number 19 number 20 is ease 9 monstrum Knox. i'd never played an ease game before uh, but this one remember you talking about this yeah kind of similar to tales of arise honestly where it's like a, a jrpg that has like some likable characters and 
somewhat similar combat style to Tales of Arise. Um, and you're kind of going around this uh, like prison city and like each new character you add to your party sort of brings like a different movement mechanic uh, and you can swap uh, back and forth between the different characters if you want like a different combat style while you're doing the combat and all the different uh, movement styles uh, do make like sort of exploring the city and finding collectibles and all of that very satisfying um, it's not the prettiest game you've ever seen if, seen if you watch a trailer for this game it's not going to blow you away away with its uh, visuals but uh, the ease series is one of those like long-running jrpg series that is like beloved in japan and has like a niche audience here in the west but it's starting to maybe get a little bit more attention here so uh, i played a lot of that i didn't finish it uh, i might still go back and finish it because i was enjoying it but it's not not nearly on the level of tales of rise for me but mm-hmm. uh, number 21 is grifflands this is that how do you describe it it's uh, what is that one game? I always forget the name of it. Slay the Spire. Why can I not think of ah, that? Ah, yes. Yeah, Grifflands is a Slay the Spire-like, basically, is how you would describe it. It's um, like a deck builder, roguelike style of game. Um, and I like there are different characters that you can unlock and that you can play through like a story with. And the unique thing that I liked about it was that you you sort of have two different decks that you're building up and like one of them is sort of for combat and the other is for um, like conversation or like negotiation, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was really interesting how they sort of gamified conversation almost made it sort of a combat like of a a, an experience where you're using different negotiation tactics as opposed to using different attacks you know what i mean um and the art style is really cool it i don't know how to describe that it's kind of like hand-drawn but it almost looks sort of vaguely star wars like um yeah i thought i thought it was a pretty cool game uh number 22 is overboard did we i think i put up a short video about this on our channel um but it is a sort of a point and click adventure a little bit it's like a um it's set in i want to say the 30s and you're uh from england and you're taking a, a cruise to america and while you're on the cruise uh this woman pushes her husband off the boat and he dies and you play as the woman and it's a little bit like clue where you're trying to everybody else is aware that the murder happened and so you're talking to each of them and you're basically trying to um figure out how you can avoid being caught (laughs) or uh better yet you're trying to figure out how to incriminate someone else for the murder Mm -hmm. uh, which i thought was a really unique idea and basically in game time you have like eight hours uh before you make it to america and so the goal is to avoid being caught or to incriminate somebody else within that amount of time but like every time you go to a new area of the ship that like advances time and so you can get through like a playthrough of 
like the cruise in like a pretty short amount of time. It doesn't, it doesn't take long at all, but the, uh, you may fail or you may succeed, but there's like so many different paths that you can take from like different areas of the ship and from talking to different people or like having a, like choosing different dialogue options as you go. And so there's like, I feel like a hundred different possible ways that the thing can play out. And I've only seen like a few of them. Interesting. So so for such a small game, like you get a lot out of it and it's like really fun, really interesting, really well written. Um, I highly recommend overboard. It it is on switch if you've not played it, but uh, number 23 is cruise and blast. I, Oh yeah. You're really into that. Yeah. I played a ton of cruise and world on the N64 when I was a kid growing up. And so to have a new cruising game in 2021 was sort of mind blowing. And so I played a bunch of it. It was just one of those games that was like fun to jump into every now and then and just like do a race that they're super quick. Like they're, it's all downhill. It takes like a minute or two to complete a race. And so you could like pick up your switch, play through a race and then put it back down again and go about your business. And so it was fun. It was sort of a blast from the past and um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, number 24 is New World. This is that Amazon. Oh, yeah. I forgot that came out. Yeah, it was that Amazon MMO. It sort of had a huge moment on the internet when it came out there for a while. And I played a bunch of it. I I feel like I will eventually jump back into this. It's one of those things where, like, I get super into Destiny 2 for a while and I get or maybe I'll get into like ESO for a little while and then I'll fall off of it and then like a few months later I'll pick it back up again I feel like New World is going to be one of those games for me where I'll get super into it for a little while and then I'll fall off of it and then I'll jump back into it um but I I liked the combat it felt more for an MMO it felt more like a standard third person action game which I think is not what a lot of MMO people are maybe looking for, but it was something that was interesting for me. Um, And it's also one of those games where kind of like Skyrim, where everything you do sort of builds up some sort of like bar of efficiency or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's just satisfying to even go around and like chop down trees and like build up your, you know, different abilities. And then you can use all of that for crafting as well. So uh, I liked it and I thought it was sort of unique that, instead of like a normal fantasy setting it was sort of like a different era it was sort of uh like the spanish conquistadors era of like the world you know which is something that i feel like you don't see a lot in games but uh and number 25 the last one on my list is genesis noir i don't know if we talked about this i don't remember this no so it's one of those games that you have to look up a trailer for it it the art style for it is it's basically grayscale basically black and white i mean there are definitely moments where you have like really vibrant colors as well but um it's sort of set back in the old timey days of like uh like film noir uh from like the 30s and 40s oh this is very interesting looking yeah and it just it's one of those games that stuck with me like throughout the year i would often think back on it basically for its art style it is not the game i had the most fun playing i don't know that like <laughs> there you're doing different things so it's not like it it runs into a rut of where you're doing the same things over and over again it's just like mm-hmm. the you're doing these different little puzzles and they're not it's not like 
mind blowing what it has you doing, but like the story and the art style and just sort of where the game goes is, is actually fairly mind blowing. Um, and so I don't necessarily want to spoil it, but if I recall correctly, cause it's been such a long time since I played it, you're this guy whose uh, girlfriend was murdered by i think she was also with somebody else in this band that maybe you're in and so you go to the area where like the crime scene of where she was murdered and there's basically the the guy that shot her like when he pulled the trigger like the bullet comes out it like rips like a uh, like a hole in the time and space and the universe and you're able to like somehow go into that and like go to different places and different times uh and different places in the universe and exploring those gives you like different information and it's like really interesting um i'm hmm. not doing a good job of explaining it and i'm probably mixing it up because again it's been a long time since i played it but it's the this, gameplay looks really really cool yeah it's one of those games that's like super super unique and like deserves more attention than it got um hmm. but yeah that's my number 25 wow quite the list it is quite the list and there are more games that that i didn't play that could have made my list Mm -hmm. um and there are other games that i played that didn't quite fall within the top 25 but um but yeah these are the ones that i wanted to to mention um was there anything that you played that was not from 2021 that uh you liked i guess Cyberpunk. You know what I have been playing recently is I picked up uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 when it was on sale, oh. and that has been really, really fun to play through. Yeah, that was one of my top games the year that came out. I loved Luigi's Mansion 3. It's so good. It's so, like, the production value is so high, and every, like, floor you get to is so interesting and unique, and the gameplay is really fun as well. Yeah, I it's it's definitely, like, one of the more underrated Nintendo Switch games. Like, I feel like it's probably in my top five of nintendo exclusive switch games so definitely like that game uh i guess we played Splitgate a little bit I, although i guess that's not yeah i debated putting that on my list but i realized i we really only played it like two or three times and yeah. i think all it really did was whet our appetite for halo <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> um just looking at the other stuff that i have on my list anything worth mentioning i guess i didn't put enough time into returnal to give it a mention on my list and i kind of feel the same about grime which is a game that i think is great and that everybody should play especially if you um liked metroid dread and you're looking for another metroidvania um i would say check out grime for sure but Otherwise, anything else you've been playing or watching? I watched uh, The Eternals came out on Disney Plus this week. How was it? So, uh, did you watch it? I did not, no. It was fine. Um, <laughs> That's the, the general best. sentiment that I think I've heard yeah. about that movie. I will say, though, that the last five seconds of it blew my mind. How so? Uh, because, well, there was, like, the, the last, like, the two... Uh, post-credit scenes 
sort of set up these other things, I guess, that are going to be happening down the line. And the final post credit scene after the credits, something happens uh, in like the last five seconds that I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I looked up what it was supposed to mean, and I could not believe what it meant. Uh, and so I was pretty excited for that. But otherwise, it was just a fairly regular... The CGI sometimes was not super great. Um, and I did not... I'm not super invested in any of these characters, but... Uh, I mean, whatever. It was it was a decent movie. It was maybe a little bit too long. Yeah, the other sentiment I've heard about that is that, like, the Hawkeye show should have been a movie, and the that movie, The Eternals, should have been the TV show. But now that's interesting. I think I actually would agree with that uh, because the Hawkeye show takes place over the span of like two or three days, um, and I think I, that actually would have been a really good movie. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm kind of. I've been out on Marvel stuff ever since uh, the last. What was it? Endgame. I have also been watching the Book of Boba Fett. How was that? I like it a lot, actually. It's, yeah. it's been really good. I would watch that. I just have not subbed to Disney Plus, and I don't know if I want to. But I would watch it if I were. <laughs> maybe we should save. I was gonna say maybe next week we talk about upcoming games the things we're looking forward to yeah next year. the year to look forward to yeah so uh look forward to that podcast i don't know if you have any parting wisdom for this week um my parting wisdom is that it's very easy to make your own hummus uh really and it tastes a lot better than the store-bought hummus and you can actually make a lot more of it uh, much more cost effectively by just getting the dry beans, soaking it, and then adding your own sauce and whatnot. But um, if you're always buying that like sabre or whatever hummus, you should look into uh, just like Google how to make hummus. And it, there's like a bunch of just like two or three minute videos where they tell you how to do it. And it's really, really good. Interesting. Never thought of that before. It's great. It's uh, It's really good. It's a good little snack. Oh, I guess I can mention one more game. Not that we've talked too long already, but I did start playing a game called Beyond a Steel Sky. Have you heard of this game? No, but I will guess that it is about space. Sort of, not really. Uh, so no, okay. <laughs> there, it's a sort of a a sequel to like a '90s era point and click adventure game called Beneath a Steel Sky. Oh, and it's on switch i want to say it's also on playstation but and probably pc as well but i did not play the original but i jumped into this one and it sort of makes it more like third person and you're so you're going around and you're talking to different people and you're like trying you're basically solving these little puzzles um that are like i need to talk to this person and they want this thing and I have to go talk to somebody else and figure out how to get this other thing and you eventually get this like um, hacking tool that you can use and so Ooh, you're trying to figure, nice speak my language you're trying to figure out how to hack this thing over here to be able to do this other thing that will make this other person do this thing and so it's it's there's not really any combat to it it's all just like solving these little puzzles and like to, to advance from story beat to story beat um and i like the the aesthetic i like the i'm liking the gameplay of it it's something that i don't think i've really played anything quite like it before um but 
I and I've also not really heard anybody else talk about it, but I think it's good and that you should definitely check it out. It might even be the type of game that's up your alley. Like you, yeah, it's not even on my radar, but I'm looking at some gameplay of it. I like the aesthetic of it. It kind of reminds me of that um, Outer Worlds style. Yeah, that was my initial thought as well when I saw the trailer for it. But I feel like this would even be something that like you could play with your girlfriend if you guys could just like work through like some of the puzzles and like try to figure Ooh. out how to get uh, from place to place, that kind of thing. I'm uh, always on the hunt for games like that. Yeah, so I definitely check that one out. Um, but that's the last thing I've got for this week. So follow us on Twitter. Go check out our YouTube channel. If you search for Starside Cafe, that you'll find us there. Um, leave us a review, a rating on iTunes or Spotify. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. See you in 2022. Or it's already 22. I'll <laughs> see you later. I'll see you next week. <laughs> exactly. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.